0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're into week nine of our home confinement. Uh, it's not all week bad. Week
1: nine! It's, it's week nine! It's
0: not all bad because I have more hair on the top of my head now than I've had since I met Nikki. So uh, it's true. I look like Bigfoot. Uh, somebody- <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's a good weekend. Yesterday was Nikki's birthday. She turned 23. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> some might say I'm a cradle robber, but I don't care. And uh, tomorrow's Mother's Day.
1: (laughs) Some don't just say think it. They say it. They do think you're a cradle robber. My dad thinks you're a cradle robber.
0: (laughs) Your dad's old and senile. Uh, Uh And today is Mother's Day. I said tomorrow, but today is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Um, We got a great show today, but I want Nikki to talk a little bit about what she's been up to this week because she's been saving the restaurant industry. Yeah, I'm not.
1: uh, There are people who are legitimately saving the restaurant industry. I am nothing but an amplifier and conduit for what is going on out there. Um, So first of all, we are recording this. It's Saturday. Tomorrow is Sunday. That's when the show will be airing. Um, We're recording it from the uh, beauty of our home. David's downstairs. I'm upstairs. And there is so much going on. You would think with everything happening that things would be static, but it's Unbelievable what's going on out there. So first of all, don't forget your mama. It is Mother's Day and there are great ways to spend the day today. So you could go to the list There's lots of great ideas on there. Some of the restaurants are still taking orders on Sunday. So if you were not thinking right, <laughs> you got a last minute thing, you can possibly do that. Um, and there are great gifts there too. We have an updated list of all the takeaway and delivery that is going on and every day it changes. There's some that stop and there's some that are now starting. And I really do believe with the hopeful opening of restaurants, you're going to see more and more restaurants at least getting into takeaway and delivery. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, Events are back on the site, virtual events, tastings, classes, demos. If you're looking for any of that, it is all there. Um, you can, of course, follow me on uh, at Nikki Nellis, N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on all social media platforms. I just interviewed the guys from Cotton and Reed talking about hand sanitizer and how they went from a rum distillery to taking care of people during COVID, and that's on industry night. And the best roundup that you can find right now on the list are are ways that you can get in to help people. There are so many fabulous charities. Uh, that have sprouted up all over this area. And we've got several of those people on the show today. David?
0: Well, I mean, that's so perfect, because uh, our first guest on today is a guy named David Guas. He's an old friend of ours and of the show. He's the chef owner of Bayou Bakery Coffee Bar and Eatery. He's also the founder of Chefs Feeding Families. When the COVID uh, crisis hit, uh, he started working uh, right as the Arlington County Public Schools closed to help make sure that folks there got fed. We're gonna hear all about that. Ed Siegel is an old buddy of mine and he's one of the country's foremost PR practitioners and crisis management authorities. In fact, he just dropped a new book, How Timely, called Crisis Ahead, 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disaster Scandals and Other Emergencies. And he's gonna speak specifically to how restaurateurs in crisis right now uh, can react and respond uh, in, in productive ways once we emerge from this shutdown. Uh, we're also joined by Gerard Bertillon. He's the Chief Strategy Officer at Cuisine Solutions. They're the folks that gave us and invented sous vide. We're going to talk about lots of ways to save and get the most out of uh, foods uh, the sous vide way here during the crisis. Uh, and um, Michelin star chef Chris Morgan, who's formerly the uh, chef and co-owner at Maidan, uh, he's also going to be on. He, too, has spearheaded something called Sage D.C. Eats. That's where some of the area's best chefs and restaurateurs are rallying to uh, help folks uh, uh, buy meals at restaurants uh, uh, with the proceeds benefiting the restaurants directly. So we're going to hear all about that. And uh, let's go right to David. David, are you there? I am, yes. You are. So
1: hi, first David.
0: of all, hey. first of all welcome. happy
2: Mother's Day.
1: Thank you.
0: You look good. I like that hat. We're seeing David. So uh, David, talk a little bit about what's going on with Bayou Bakery during the COVID crisis, and then let's get into Chef Feeding Families.
2: Well, I mean, Bayou Bakery currently um, is not operational. Um, uh-huh. this. We, um, <clears throat> we attempted the grab-and-go from the 16th to the 31st of March. Uh, once we closed our dining rooms uh, on the 15th of March on that last Sunday was the last time we allowed people into the dining room space itself. And... Um, so 16th through the 31st was grab and go only. And um, after the 31st, you know, my, my general manager and I were sitting around, not sitting around, standing around doing, you know, inventory. You know, I had projected a certain amount of sales that we needed to hit in order for it to make sense for us to continue to, to function that way. And we just were, were, not, were, not, we were not hitting that number. So it really became not sustainable anymore. So after the 31st, um, we decided to close down, um, at the same time that we shifted gears from the dining room, uh, to grab and go. We also launched a, uh, initiative, um, with, uh, with our partners or good friends at, um, real food for kids, um, Mm -hmm. actually co-founded the, 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 the initiative, you know, my idea that I brought to them basically. And then, Together, we have um, made it work and happen. We have, uh, from Bayou Bakery alone, hit about uh, just over 8,000 meals. um,
1: Well, let's back uh, up, David. You're sort of starting in the middle. So you launched (laughs) Chefs Feeding Families. And let's explain what your concept was and how it's being executed.
2: Sure. Um, We So the initiative... um, I'm sorry, there's a lot of background noise here. In the house. That's okay. Don't um, be distracted. Yeah, so,
0: when do my, do my dogs start eating the computer? Yeah, that's that's gonna
2: be that's good. Um, so Chefs Feeding Families, uh, we launched it actually uh, under a different name, it was essentially um, something called Rapid Response, uh, mm-hmm. with a partnership between Bayou Bakery and Real Food for Kids. Um, Real Food for Kids. You know, the organization's a nonprofit local, uh, it's been around for over 10 years. Um, I've been doing a lot of pro bono work for them uh, in the, in, since the beginning. Um, and their main mission is to educate, you know, children in the public school systems, um, school age children about healthy choices and eating right. Um, and they've worked very closely with a lot of the counties over the years um, to educate uh, the children. So my natural thought was to contact them with this idea we met, and within about four days, we launched this uh, initiative. Rapid response is what it was called for uh, <laughs> the first couple of weeks, and um, the uh, then we went into a uh, you know a, a different shifting of gears after a couple of weeks of being open and uh, successfully putting out meals, and we went into chefs feeding families, and then with that mm-hmm. we were able to start talking about how do we. How do we expand it? How do we find other chefs and restaurateurs that are willing to take on uh, sort of our, our But food. who are the
1: families? Who are the families that you're feeding? Yep. And so how are you getting the funds? Like, are you in charge of getting funds? Like, where are the funds coming from, and how are you finding out who to feed? Right.
2: Yep. So our initial initial intention uh, with launching from ground zero at Bayou Bakery with the initiative was to help the uh, children and their families uh, affected by school closures in Arlington County. So that was the it at its core. I have at least six uh, staff members who have children at Key Elementary School, which is just two blocks away from Bayou Bakery. And my initial thought on the 15th, when Arlington County announced that public school systems would be shut down as of the 16th on Monday, I was freaking out about my staff. And that's all it really was. And so Between my wife and I, we were talking about what we can do, and then that's when we thought about Real Food for Kids because they were already an established nonprofit. They had means of fundraising. So we contacted the director, uh, Jen Yates, and we immediately scheduled a meeting on Monday at the restaurant. Um, Within 24 hours, we bought a first round of a bunch of food at the restaurant. I prepped over over that night, and then the 17th on St. Patrick's Day, we launched our initiative starting with our first meals, right in front of the restaurant. We set up a tent out in front of Bayou Bakery to avoid people having to come in um, okay. at you know six feet. We did all our parameters. We took the tape measure out, blah, 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 blah. And I literally just started cooking red beans and rice. I mean, that was my initial um, serving uh, of meals. You know, This good Louisiana boy here, I mean, that's the first thing I thought of is red beans and rice. And we were making it on Monday, which is traditional for Louisianians anyway. And that, at its core, was, was the main target, was, is, you know, these children and their families rely on the free and reduced meal programs during normal school year. And the right. fact that they closed, and again, remember, they closed with the idea of, you know, it was prior to spring break, and they hadn't really announced that it would be closed permanently. So there was kind of this in-between time where we didn't really know. And then, of course, shortly thereafter, they announced that they would be closed for the rest of the year. Uh,
0: uh, you, David, quick question. How, sure. First of all, it's sort of a two-part question. How do you get the word out so that it's, you know, you're really covering all those families in need? And this may sound like a crazy question, but how do you prevent moochers, people who otherwise have the means, but decide, uh, let's go get a free meal?
2: That's a great question. Um, you know, obviously that came up in our sort of, um, in our think tank, um, uh, task force um uh, not only jen yates from real food for kids but one of the board members who you guys know and the whole city should know being in the industry bonnie moore um okay. bonnie myself so having another chef perspective was was key um we decided early on collectively that we were not going to vet you know we saw a lot of language coming out um the uh via most public schools and counties about how you had to bring your student ID, you had to identify what school you go to, you had to, you know, you had to bring the kids with you and show proof. And we didn't want to do any of that. You know, I, the whole message was stay home, right? So why would I want a family of five to bring their kids out of their house to come get a deal? And, you know, the other thing is we're not asking for IDs. We didn't want people to get nervous about coming to us you know, we have certain people that, you know, once you start asking names and IDs and this and that, you know, we didn't want to scare anybody. So we wanted to make it as open as possible. Um, yes, we can have some banter and question, you know, you know, what they do, but we're not going to require anything. And, you know, we are in proximity, really close to a which is our local Arlington County shelter. And, mm-hmm. you know, we do see some of the residents um, come by and, you know, we, we just, it's, it's a very small percentage and we just, we just serve them. And, and that's, on that, that...
1: Uh, David, I'm going to interrupt you because we have to take a break, but sure. I, uh, on that note, I want to say this is not a time to vet, you know, and if there's a couple people who think they're gaming the system, good on them, exactly. right? Like what's most important is that the people get fed and then get, get to get the food and the nutrition they need right. um, in a safe manner. Uh, we're going to come back. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We're talking with Chef David Guas. We'll be back in just a sec.
0: All right, you're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to David Gloss, who is a globally known chef and, uh, and owner of Bayou Bakery up in Arlington. Uh, David, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is this happy Bags and the teacher appreciation. Happy bags is what I refer to, these things on the side. That's other people, <laughs> they call muffin tops, but mine are happy bags. Um, tell us a little bit about that
1: my happy bags just so you know have brand names and they're in my closet those are my happy bags
2: starting with
0: like the letter g yeah no 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 no. the opening on that was so amazing yeah this is a family show i won't go there
2: those are my initials dg right so i know Mm -hmm. where you're coming from nikki um Mm -hmm. you know so david uh the happy bags initiative was something that we launched as bayou bakery not as you know, the the, the chef's feeding family initiative. And this was really to kind of, again, there's so many, you know, the calendar keeps moving. There's so many things to kind of people to recognize, so many groups. And, you know, here we are leading up to Mother's Day weekend. It's Mother's Day here. And we wanted to appreciate our teachers. You know, my, my mother was an educator. Uh, she taught down in New Orleans at a private girls high school. My sister currently is active in the public school systems in Florida in Ocala. And she's a teacher uh, teaching high school children. Um, so I, I come from, you know, a family of educators. So you know, we have a really close relationship with Key Elementary School. And so they approached us um, about uh, doing, you know, cookies for teacher appreciation. And we said, well, you know what, we have this idea about happy bags and giving back and making sure that the teachers are recognized during this as well. So, you know, Simone from Simone Inc. and her team and myself dropped off hundreds and hundreds of bags throughout the county. um, And then specifically Key Elementary And people came to pick up bags from Bayou Bakery. We had a local uh, business donate crayons. And uh, within a couple, two or three days, we started to see the bags come back to the restaurant. So, I mean, amazing messages. I mean, to the point where I was literally just, you know, in tears. Some of them were not only funny, but it not only gave the kids a creative outlet, something to do and something to be a part of um, connectivity to the community, something bigger than what was going on just in their home so they could feel linked to something happening outside of their quarantine spaces, but also obviously to recognize our educators during this time. We have a lot of teachers that have volunteered, PTA members, volunteered that are actually coming to Bayou Baker to pick up our meals to bring mm-hmm. them to neighborhoods that don't have um, identified locations for distribution. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of our way of just trying to put a smile on their face.
0: In this. You are the definition of Good Samaritan. So
1: listen, David, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. As things change out there, we want to have you back on. We want to talk about what happens with Bayou. I know you get a ton of promotions, but we are out of time. Uh, Thank you so much for all your generosity and community so beautifully. We'll be with you soon.
2: Thank you so much. You guys have a great day, and again, happy Mother's Day.
1: Thanks.
0: Our guest now is Gerard Bertillon. He's the Chief Strategy Officer at Cuisine Solutions. Those are the people that bring you and invented uh, the fabulous cooking method sous vide. And we're gonna talk a little bit about sous vide and what the process is and how the folks at Cuisine Solutions uh, will help you innovate in your own home kitchen to get the maximum nutrition and taste out of your food and also to make sure you don't waste your food. So Gerard, welcome to the show again.
3: (laughs) Well, thank you for having us. Appreciate that.
0: Why not? Thank you. Sorry, babe. Why don't we talk a little bit about sous vide so to, to make sure the audience gets uh, oriented?
3: Well, sous vide is a, it's a, it's a, one of the best techniques used by some of the top chefs in the in the world. Thomas Keller, Daniel Boulud, uh, Jean Georges all use that this technique to duplicate their uh, their own cooking and uh, at precise temperature and and uh, and time to uh, to really de- deliver the best experience to their customer and every single time. And uh, on top of it, uh, the product is fully cooked and fully pasteurized because with time, we are able to destroy all the vegetative form of bacteria. So not only it's a great product, but it's one of the safest products you can buy today or or cook on the market today.
1: Gerard, how did Cuisine Solutions as an overall company respond to the pandemic? I mean, I've been out to your fabulous facility um, in Virginia and it's, it's massive. And then, I mean, I know you have places all around the world. So how did you uh, catch up quickly to put the important precautions in place so that everybody well, was safe?
3: The, the good thing for us, those precautions were already in place. Uh, our team wear masks, wear um, um, Charlotte, is something you put in your head to cover your hair, a full gown, boots, sanitizing. They know how to wash nobody, you know, no, no wash, no earring. They wash their hands every time they come in and out. So, you know, I would say most of those processes were already in place, so it was uh, very easy for us to continue production because our, um, our team was well-trained. Uh, we had, of course, couple of steps. We built a tent outside of the plant. We take uh, temperature. We, we had a couple more steps, but uh, locally for us, our team was already trained.
1: That I mean, you're so fortunate that you already sort of had all these precautions in place so it didn't really disrupt anything for you all. Um, But let's talk about, you know, you've partnered with so many chefs over time, like Michelle Richard, you have that 72 hour short rib. Can we talk a little bit about how you created some of these products and, you know, how people can actually have almost similar restaurant experiences easily in their home?
3: Well, we have been fortunate to, um to have Bruno Gousseau with us, he's our chief scientist. And uh, with CREA and uh, some of our chefs, we have trained 48 three-star Michelin. I mean, like I said, Daniel Boulud, Thomas Keller, uh, famous Joel Robuchon, Michel Richard here, and Jose Andres, many of the the chefs. And um, then when um, some of the chefs saw what they could achieve, they wanted us to help them out, develop items, and also um, uh, let us sell some of their uh, you know, item we developed together, like Michel Richard, he wanted a, a, a tenderness of a filet mignon, but he hated filet mignon because filet mignon has no taste. So mm-hmm. short rib, it's really, you know, uh, uh, one of the best tasting piece of meat. So between time and temperature, we were able to get the same consistency of filet mignon and the short rib has like 10 times flavor, uh, more flavor.
0: Well, we have to jump in and say, we've been on the radio now for almost 12 years and one of our very first shows, Michelle came in with those short ribs.
3: He
1: did, and they—they they were. I mean, I've of course bought the Cuisine Solutions one, so I've had them. But he like opened it up in studio. He cut into it like liquid. Like it was. It was, it fast, was the best. but it was
0: so good. <laughs> it was the best. It was unbelievable.
3: <laughs>
1: it was so Michelle. The whole thing was very, very and
3: now, you know, now bizarre. I'm salivating. Thanks a lot. That's great. <laughs> well for for so many years, we are selling only to a restaurant and and chef. And um, you know, many people wanted to say, oh, I cannot buy a 20, 30 thirty pound case. Uh, please, can you can you open it to uh, everybody? So we not we didn't develop any new item. We took some of our, you know, best-selling, like the, uh, like the uh, Wagyu brisket, uh, mm-hmm. the Berkshire pork belly, the lamb shank, you know, all those items that are kind of difficult for you to find the right raw material, or you don't have 72 hours to cook, and you don't have the right equipment, or you don't have the 40 hours to cook a Burschard. So on top of it, we try to keep those items really simple, salt, pepper. So the short rib can be French with a Bordelais sauce, you can put a mole on it. You know, spring is coming. That's a perfect, perfect item to put on a grill. Um, so you, you can really customize depending of your background. I mean, if you're Italian or Chinese or whatever, you can really, you have a great piece of, uh, of ingredient and you customize it to, to your taste. Well, and
0: I want to jump in because we've been talking about, basically about meat. Um, and I'm not sure that a lot of people sort of associate uh, sous-vide with vegetables, but you 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 have a, a ton of plant-based items that are that are spectacular. So let's talk a little bit about that and how the experimentation process led to these unbelievable
3: tastes. Well, talking about plant-based, um, we have two items that are really popular right now. It's a uh, we've been doing for for five years. It's a it's our vegan chili and uh, our plant-based also bolognese. Yep. Uh, when f- create some item, we are very familiar with everybody, so you know the family can feed their kids. You will, uh, you will not even think is a is a is a based. Last week, I, I brought a, um, a bolognese home. I bought some dough of the lasagna already cooked dough. You know, you just build your lasagna, good mozzarella, and I had a lasagna ready in, uh, in thirty minutes. It was so amazing.
0: Well, how do people how do people get this during the crisis? Do they order online from you?
3: Yes, we have a website called My Cuisine Solution, and we have a mini item. We turn them, we add some, but all those um, signature items like the seventy-two hour, the pork belly, the wagyu beef, uh, it's all on our uh, on our website. Uh, we have also partnered with some of the chefs. Uh, right now, we wanted. Um, you know, people are at home, so we wanted to uh, to uh, to have some uh, uh, where we could create dishes. So we have, uh, we have, uh, take um, um, Carla Hall as a brand ambassador, and it, mm-hmm. four videos with her. We did one dining out. Uh, we did, we, tomorrow we'll have Mother's Day brunch. We just did Cinco de Mayo. The next one is going to be fun. It's going to be date night. You know, you you want to have those great meals and uh, you want to surprise your, your date and uh, you can make a marvelous uh, meal at home.
1: Well, and Carla Hall is doing these on Instagram, right? Or is it
3: YouTube? In Instagram, on, on our Instagram is uh, IG at Carla Hall. And also, you can find them in our, uh, and also of course, Cuisine Solution and My Cuisine Solution. So mm-hmm. it's fun. It's really easy. And uh, you can make really good meal and easy.
4: Well, I think people
1: should know before we wrap up here that there's a real flexibility of the product. So, like for example, I love those oatmeal bites and your sous vide egg bites. But you know, it you can just throw it in the freezer. And I think I don't. If for people who have never ordered it or worked with sous vide, I think there's a little fear involved. Do you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, well, all our products are fully cooked and fully pasteurized. So the only thing you need to do is reheat them. You know, people are scared. Sometimes they buy a chicken or something, or they get those meals to assemble. But most of the time, they overcook because they're so scared. They they, they want it safe for their family. Our Mm -hmm. products are what we call RT, ready to eat. So you can serve them cold. You can warm them up, any temperature you know it's, it's really safe for your family. They come frozen. You have a year chef life. If you defrost them and you, you don't want to eat them tonight or tomorrow, it's okay. You have seven to eight days to eat them when they are defrosted. Mm-hmm. So it makes your life. And then his sheep is immediately uh, sealed. So it's, nobody can compromise. Nobody can touch it. So right now people are kind of uh, want to be sure right. that safe product to their family. So it's, it's really a perfect solution.
0: Well, we should it also is. say for people who aren't that familiar with it, when you go to Starbucks and you order those little egg bites, those are sous vide. O- the and they're st-
1: cuisine solutions. Cuisine yeah, solutions
3: they're cuisine solutions, sous vide. Right. 14,000 stores. They've been so successful. So um, we um, we developed some also. You can find some at Target now. You can find some at, of course, in our website, My Cuisine Solution, mm-hmm. but also at Costco. So you can have this experience at home. Right now, I have a beautiful, uh, beautiful breakfast with a sweet egg bite there. They're kind of addictive. And we have some, yeah. oatmeal. you know, we've been doing uh, oatmeal for Panera for more than 10 years. It's, it's a steel cut. You still have little bite to it. It's really, really yummy breakfast.
1: Well, I remember the first time, and we have to go, but I just want to say the first time you guys brought oatmeal in for me to try, I was like, why do I need to feed oatmeal? And then I had your oatmeal, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's why, because <laughs> it's delicious. So Gerard, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning. Obviously, like your products are going to be so important as people try to figure out what's going on out there. Just give us the website one more time for Cuisine Solutions.
3: So it's mycuisinesolution.com.
1: Great. Thank you so much. This is Nikki Nellis and David Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. When we come back, we're going to talk about crisis management in the restaurant industry.
0: All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David Nikki Nellis, and our guest is an old friend of mine. He is one of the foremost PR practitioners in the country, and um, he's a specialist and expert in crisis management and sitting here in the middle of the, the pandemic crisis uh, with all of our restaurant friends uh, uh, basically gone fetal over this. I thought we'd bring Ed on to talk a little bit about how to manage in the middle of this crisis. Ed, how are you? Good morning.
4: Good to be with you today.
0: Sorry for the cough. So tell us a little bit about you before we get into the
4: subject. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a checkered career in public relations crisis management. I've written three books on public relations and crisis management, and I'm the former CEO of uh, two, uh, two trade associations in California. I've helped advise and counsel and provided public relations services to literally hundreds of corporations and organizations in dozens of different industries and professions, and I had an opportunity to uh, jot down everything I know about public relations and marketing and crisis management, and a lot of that is in uh, my new book, which is now available on Amazon.
0: Yeah, I was going to do the spoiler alert. It's called Crisis Ahead. It went on uh, Amazon about uh, two weeks ago, and it's already in the top three, so there you go. So, Ed,
1: I I don't think a lot of people in the restaurant industry, they know this is COVID is a crisis, right? And a lot of people in the restaurant industry know, you know, have PR, restaurant PR, which is about, you know, getting their word out in press and magazines, food publications and etc. But I think crisis management is not something that a lot of people in the restaurant industry are thinking about right now because their thoughts are, how do I get my doors open? Sure. They're, they're in a crisis, but they don't know it needs to be managed.
0: Right, they're so in you, management.
1: What, yeah, what can we, what are the kinds of things that you're recommending um, or the kinds of services that you would offer? Like, how, how would you be helping them?
4: Well, step one in any crisis is to breathe and keep breathing. A lot of people, when they're faced with a crisis, they mm-hmm. literally and figuratively hold their breath. They have no idea okay. what to do they wait for something else to do to something happen, um, And if they're waiting for something to happen, uh, that's not a good strategy. Ignoring a problem, denying a problem or hoping that it will go away simply never works in a crisis. So it's really important for everybody if they haven't done so in the restaurant industry to do a reality checks about their basics, their health, their finances, their prospects for obtaining the resources they need to survive day to day. It's also important to maintain their mental, physical and financial health, get some exercise, don't stay glued to the news 24 seven. Talk to your accountant, financial advisor, bank landlord, whatever it takes to get you healthy and to keep you healthy as we figure out what to do uh, in this crisis and uh, when it's going to end.
1: Well, so okay, so once they get their ducks in a row, which honestly are changing every day because Every day there's something different. You know, when the restaurants had to close, originally it was you can't have more than 50 people. Then it was like you can't have more than 15 people. Then it was no 10 people. And then it was like now you got to shut down. Now you can do takeaway. Now you can do delivery. Now we want you to reopen, but you can only be at 25%. I mean, you know, there's so much, it's constant. And these people have had to, the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry has had to uh, remodel their concepts multiple times in an eight-week period. So now that we're here, how do you help them in this crisis? Because once again, they've got to do a a 360 and and start it up again.
4: Well, you're absolutely right about the the changing uh, conditions and challenges. That's why it's absolutely essential. in this crisis, more than any other I've ever studied or been involved in, to be flexible. Sometimes the government uh, policies and mandates are changing. Sometimes the preferences for the customers are changing so you really have to pay attention and be flexible to what's happening on a day-to-day and perhaps even an hour by hour basis that's why it's also important to study how other people and other organizations in the restaurant and other industries and professions are responding to this crisis and uh, what can you learn from their example you know as you know uh, some restaurants have only taken the steps uh, to uh, respond to the crisis by Instead of serving customers in person, they're offering curbside pickup and home delivery of meals uh, and even drinks and cocktails. I saw a story the other day that the McDonald's is already uh, going ahead and uh, taking steps to uh, consider redesigning their restaurants uh, to accommodate the new social uh, distancing uh, mandates. So there's not one solution, there's not one approach uh, to managing or getting through this crisis. It depends on uh, the nature of your restaurant, where you're located, the government regulations, how you've done business in the past, and what you can do to adapt to changing conditions uh, today and the days ahead.
1: Well, the thing is, is that restaurant groups, big restaurant groups like McDonald's. I mean, I know they're franchisees, but they still have a big corporate umbrella to sort of give them the information that they need. But you know, the smaller guy, you know, the the well, local restaurant on the restaurant. corner. Right. You know, the local restaurant on the corner or even, you know, some of the bigger restaurant groups here, you know, they're still small. And so, it, you know, crisis management is not a term that they would, you know, people would think crisis management would be like what a Mike Isabella would have needed. Do you know what I mean? Cause he was in a crisis, yes. but this is, this is not just happening to one person. It's happening to everybody. So yes. how do you walk through this landmine?
4: Very carefully. Uh, you should join forces. Maybe there's ways, uh, of course, the old saying is true, there's there's safety and, and there's better impact in, uh, uh, in larger, larger numbers. Maybe you can join forces uh, and create a coalition of like-minded organizations uh, and companies and maybe even restaurants in your area. You know, going alone by yourself um, is really challenging. You won't have the resources, you won't have the advice, you may not even have the strength or resolve or determination uh, to to survive, and so that's one. That's why step one is to breathe, and to take a reality check. It's also important not to panic. It's very easy to panic, especially if you're a, a solo individual. You, know, you're, you you are the restaurant. Uh, you should not do or say anything that will add to the panic or fear um, or or anxiety to the customers uh, that they're 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 feeling. You should look look for ways of being helpful to your clients. And unfortunately the ugly reality is some restaurants may not be able to survive this. There was a story the other day uh, for the, about the restaurants seen in San Francisco and more than half of the restaurants in that city may never open again. So this is a real challenge to survive day to day. You need to reach out, you need to consult, you need to find the resources that you need to survive day to day and find the resources you need to uh, thrive um, when the uh, the crisis is over, well, I and think that's big we have no idea when it's going to end or how it's going to end. So we don't even see the light at the end of the tunnel right now.
0: Well, I think right. one of the one of the things that you you mentioned, uh, one of our previous guests sort of sort of brought up the subject as well, and that is for the individual, you know, the independent restaurant. Um, maybe the way to because you, know, you know you've got to kind of reinvent yourself and you've got to adapt to the to the problem is to create a coalition with other small restaurants like that so that your buying power, your volume buying power, because it's all about money and cost. Uh, your, your volume buying power is greater. And maybe working together, that's the way that you find the new ideas and the new way through. Uh, Ed, before we go, I want to make sure that everybody knows how to find your book. So give them all the info.
4: Well, the book does now is now an e-book. It's available on Amazon. And the title of the book is Crisis Ahead. 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disasters, Scandals, and Other Emergencies. It'll be available as a paperback on June 16th, but you can also find ways of ordering the book on my website and learn more about the book, and my website is publicrelations.com. That's publicrelations.com. Send an email to me at crisisahead@gmail.com, at gmail.com, and I'll send you the free template for my crisis management plan that you can start using right away Perfect. to survive and thrive during this very difficult time. Great.
0: Great. Ed, thank you so much. Uh, and everybody, solve your crisis. The only way you can do it is by jumping in. All right. Okay. This,
1: is, this is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be talking with Chef Chris Morgan when we get back.
0: All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And we have on the line with us Uh, michelin star chef chris morgan you remember him he was the chef co-owner at maydan and he's opening his own place bammy's coming up soon and uh he's really spearheaded the launch of something called save dce and we've got him on the line to tell us all about it chris first of all how are you
5: um i'm doing well uh you know i'm 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 trying to stay positive as best as possible through all this as i know a lot of us are um you know, I think that's you know, I'm I'm connecting with friends, connecting with you know people in and outside the industry, talking to people about you know uh, what the way forward looks like, and um, you know, spending time catching up with people and 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 working with my friends to. Um, to get through this uh, well so
1: but you know before this all like went wrong you uh were the chef at maidan you left Mm
4: -hmm. uh
1: soon after getting your michelin star and uh (laughs) then uh you were going to be opening up a new restaurant and so like just for a moment before we get into your initiative which is amazing I mean, but how did you deal with that? Like all of a sudden, like you're ready to open and now you can't. How? What did you, I mean, I know it sucks, don't get me wrong, but like, yeah. how did you, like, what it? What was the process for you? What were you, were you like, okay, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that? Like, how'd you work through it? Cause it's so devastating.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely, uh, it hurt uh, when it happened. Um, so we, yeah, we left end of, I guess it was November 19th was my last day at Maidon. Um, and, Our focus entirely was on getting Bami's open, um, which we hit the ground running in January, taking over pre-existing lease. So it was a lot of aesthetic changes, but then obviously opening any restaurant, there's a lot to do. Um, We were gunning for start of March. uh, And then as openings normally go, we got pushed back and that started to look like April Um, and we were confidently going to open and we were actually, we just had orientation with our employees, um, and we were going to open on April 1st and we're just (laughs) about to announce it.
1: Oh my God. That's uh, so painful.
5: And then the, yeah, the following dagger, uh, came down. Um, but you know, I mean, it was extremely devastating. I think the, obviously when, you know, we were in the throes of everything else for that to happen on top of it. Um it was really hard. Um, and, and more than anything, mentally, you know, I've never opened my own restaurant without the help of anyone else. You know, Rose and Mike were, um, obviously, uh, the controlling partners at made on and I wasn't involved in the entire process for the opening. So I, and I knew there was a lot for me to take on and learn. Um, and suffer um <laughs> but uh you know yeah but was,
1: nothing can prepare you for this no
5: I mean, no no definitely so I mean? it was it was de- it's definitely a test of our uh of our willpower um and our motivation to you know stay focused and get through this time um i mean the biggest thing for us was we were actually really lucky and we talked about this a lot that we didn't open yeah. um just because you know restaurants don't keep a lot of money in the bank i mean you'll find you'd be hard-pressed to find restaurants at least among people I've talked to throughout this whole thing that have more than like 30k um, in the bank at any one time because it normally goes back into the business or somewhere else. So having it's you called know, paying
1: your employees. Exactly. Rent, I mean, travel. Yeah, sure. I mean, where do you want to?
5: Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. So um, you know, for us, we 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 luckily missed out on having to pay. You know, all of our we were about to start paying our accounting, the accounting company we we're working with, our payroll company, all the initial startup costs were two days away so we saved ourselves a significant amount of spending um which allowed us you know at least to have a little bit more confidence moving into this uncertain time um but having said that you know it's as information you know initially we were pretty confident that we would get more information or at least have a better idea of what the way forward looked like but i think as we all know you know not much has changed and I know Washingtonian just put an article out today about, um, restaurant workers now getting sick, uh, in yeah. the area. So that's another curveball. So, well, so
1: how did you, while you were, you know, figuring out what you're going to do with families, um, you came up with this incredible initiative. Um, how'd you come up with it? What, what was your, what was, what was it behind? Like, what were you thinking? And how um,
5: are you doing it while you're still
0: trying to do bammies. <laughs> uh,
5: um, I mean, honestly, I think we're all used to yourselves included working long hours. Uh, so for me, it was just redirecting my attention to something that really that I really cared about. Um, and you know, juggling both definitely has been a little difficult, but I, it's given me something oh. to wake up and be excited about every day. Um, so Save DC started. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister Sarah Morgan. Um, and I were on the phone and I was, you know, I, she's my phone, a friend always when I'm in a rut besides my wife. Um, and I called her and I was like, I don't know what to do about our employees. Um, you know, a lot of them are undocumented. Um, they're like, they're the backbone of all of our restaurants, as you know. Um, and I've worked with some of these people for six, seven years across multiple places. And their family to me and to have them be in the situation where they have no way to collect unemployment. Um, and at the time I didn't, once again, didn't know how long this would last. And at that point, list, not not another restrictions were lifted or which now have been so that more people can get unemployment that still leaves out the undocumented employees. So my initial thought was how do we get money to my, the people I care about? And Sarah came up with the idea to sell private dinners for cash. Now, obviously with the intention of the dinners happening much later, yeah. Um, and I called Debbie Shore, who's a friend of mine who works with, you may know her. She works, um, with, uh, no, Debbie. yeah, she's phenomenal. We Debbie
1: really well. Yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. Um, awesome. and I work with her with chefs relay, um, and which also unfortunately is going to be canceled this year. Um, and called her and she said, and I explained the idea and I said, should I start a nonprofit? That sounds daunting. I don't know if I like, I've never done that before. It's adding another layer to this. It's making it seem like it's going to be even more impossible. If I go that route and she said, Chris, don't worry about that. She goes, you're not going to believe this. I just got off the phone with my two friends, Anthony uh, Bucci and David Bookspan in Philly. And they have your idea with a platform already. And they have a website live. And uh, they're looking for someone to, to take the lead in D.C. And um, I, immediately, I immediately raised my hand. She was like, this could not have come. She got off the phone with them that day or the day before, I guess. Mm-hmm. So they, but so they called me vetted me um, just to make sure, you know, our intentions were aligned and, and we immediately hit it off. And these guys um, aren't in the restaurant industry. They just love food in restaurants and they have friends in the restaurant industry. And we're just trying to figure out a way to help everyone kind of weather the storm. And I mean, truly selfless on their end. Um, and, you know, I just saw it as a really amazing way for restaurants to do two things. I think, you know, by, by being a part of Save D.C. Eats, you allow yourself to have another revenue stream. Um, I actually just found out at 8.30 this morning that I sold my lamb dinner with Gerald, so we're really excited. That was our first thing to and sell. so what
1: did that, what did that go for?
5: Uh, 6,000. Wow. So that's 15 person um, uh, live fire cooking demo with uh, a whole lamb, and then we build out like, uh, we haven't written the menu for it, but we're gonna do like a crazy, fun feast and make flatbread. And uh, we're, we have an eight foot wood burning grill that will be featured at Bammy's. that's custom made by our friends in Charlottesville. And we're gonna uh, bring that to their backyard and set the whole thing up. And
1: Cool. Yeah. So let's talk about some of it cause you really, you know, used your Rolodex, reached out to all your friends. Let's talk about mm-hmm. some of the things that are being offered that people can purchase now for use later.
5: Yeah, so um, some of my favorites um, are, uh i mean the hamitsu dinner which has been selling like crazy i think is has been a crowd favorite because it's a lower price point and it's just fun
1: how many have sold
5: uh kevin sold 20 oh, oh, that was amazing. he's
1: unbelievable
5: right i know i talked to him i was just like when he told me that i was like that's incredible i was like i'm not surprised at all no. because it's you um right. and, I, and i was like if i had 200 dollars lying around right now i would also do that yeah. um but that one's really exciting. I love Rob Ruba's offer. He's doing a uh, an in home dinner. I just, I think Rob's one of the best chefs in the city by a mile. In terms, well, of, and
1: he's in a similar position as you because Oyster yeah. Oyster was supposed to open like now as well. Like you know,
5: yeah. we were like, on the phone every day prior to this, and then when it happened, I called him like <laughs> like knowing how bummed he was going to be. I mean, he had been working on this project for three years,
1: right? Right. right so right.
5: you know, I, honestly, my I, I'm rooting for him and, and Michael Rafiti, um, not over anyone else, but because of the situation they're in, um, you know, I, I'm a neighbor to Albie now or will be, and they just opened their doors. And I know how – I can't imagine um, how tough that's been. But they're both of their offerings are really fun. And the wine – the I think the Zoom idea that um, Brent brought to the table where he's doing uh, wine, right and wine classes. Mm-hmm. It's super fun. It's something people can actually enjoy now as opposed to some of the things that are happening much later, obviously. Um, but it's also, you know, it, it just adds another layer to like the the, the offerings. And I'm, I'm super So,
1: excited. Chris, we have to wrap up because it's the end of the show. But just tell everybody where they can find all this information and how they can get their money into the hands of people who really need it. And
0: where Bamie's is going to be.
5: Oh, <laughs> got it. Um, Bamie's will be in the Navy Yard in between Osteria Marini and Agua 301 right on the water. Um, Oh, the former uh, Whaley space. The former Whaley space, yeah. And we'll have the Rosé Garden. We're repurposing that for something else, but it should be a lot of fun. Um, and to find out more about Save D.C. Eats, you just go to SaveDCEats.com. Uh, it's really simple. Go through the website. Pretty self-explanatory. Click on the link. It'll take you to a landing page where you can make your payment. Money goes straight to the restaurants, 100% of the profit. No taxes, no fees, no nothing. And you get to keep restaurants. Uh, Hopefully they have a better chance to get through all this. So
1: thank you so much for your time today. Thank we you are guys. supporters. So we're there with you. Uh, and hopefully when bammy's opens and we're back to some sort of new normal, we'll have you back on and we'll get to hear about all the deliciousness that's happening there. And you're wearing oh, well,
0: a little t-shirt and I'd give a buck yeah. to be there instead of Kensington, Maryland. <laughs> 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 thank you. Too. Thanks
1: so much, thank Chris.
0: You. Cheers, guys. Be safe. All right. Take nice. care. Thank you.
1: So we want to thank you all for joining us today on Foodie and the Beast. Um, It's been a really interesting show. There are so many ways that you can donate uh, money and help to people out there with David Guas or Save DC Eats. Of course, check out what Cuisine Solutions is doing, because when it comes to food waste, they are top of mind. And Ed Siegel is really thinking outside of the box of ways to help the restaurant community during this crisis. I want to remind you all to go to the thelistareyouwanted.com. We have everything happening in the hospitality industry on that site, including where to order food from and also, um, classes, virtual demos, just like, uh, Chris was talking about earlier. Uh, so thank you all for joining us today. Happy mother's day to those mamas out there. And, uh, we'll see you next week. Be safe.
0: Bye.